Okay, uh, well, this is... Uh, what, what, what episode are we on now? Four? Episode four? Uh, we Zero don't even four. use... Yeah, we don't even <laughs> use consistent numbering, so... Yeah. Uh, it is, I think, isn't it the fifth? The fifth episode. The fifth of actual episode session. 0.4. Yeah, because number one was 0.0. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. we're dumb. Yeah. Uh, dumb and awesome. We'll get used to it by the time season one starts. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder how old we'll be. Awesome. Uh, so, I'm at your house right now. Right down in beautiful Bothell, Washington. Yeah, which is not, not too far from where I live. It's It's... It's kind of weird that I haven't bothered to get off my ass and, and visit him. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've lived about a three-hour car drive from each other for what, yeah. three years now. Um, yeah. But uh, if it makes you feel better, I have many, many friends in that same uh, yeah. boat. So it's it's hard. I mean, uh, not to not to beat a dead horse about how little spare time we've <laughs> got, but especially now that we've got a kid. Like my, I don't own a car, right? So. Renting something and coming down here uh, with a kid that doesn't like being in a car has not been an ideal vacation. And I have a border <laughs> phobia because I have many, one of my many phobias. Uh, that plus, especially with my weird uh, uh, visa status, whatever the hell it is I'm on, I tend to be quite conservative about uh, making international trips. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah we were totally in the same boat. So uh, for anyone I guess not in the know who happens to be listening to this in uh, twenty twenty or whatever, the, the, it starts becoming popular to listen to us. Optimism. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're on what a TN right now? Uh, so that's a good question because I don't fully understand it. It's a really <laughs> weird, wonky situation. So. The easy answer is yes. I am on a, uh, it's a not TN a visa. Or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, I'm on TN status, yeah. um, and my TN status ends next year, early next year. So I have a accepted application for an H-1B visa, and that has I think now been processed, but it is processed to begin just before my TN ends. Yeah. And I understand that normally what you do is you leave the country and re-enter to reactivate, but they did some special processing where that's not the case. It's just a straight adjustment of status scheduled for the future. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm also going through some sort of uh, green card process that has multiple stages, each of which has some complicated name that is not, it's not like a, a numbered sequence or anything. And I'm on some stage, I-5 something, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that gives me something called EAD, which is employment authorization something. And so I have like multiple statuses and future statuses and yeah. it's, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you what any of the, the terms are other than TN and TD and H1B because with, so, uh, back in 2011, I believe it was, uh, we were in Australia, and uh, my wife and I, and we moved, uh, and so she went to San Francisco, and I went to Vancouver. So, uh, so she totally went through the same situation where she went on a TN, and then eventually uh, applied for green card and whatnot, and uh, I eventually uh, decided that living apart was not the best way to be spending our years. So uh, I imagine it was a mutual decision. Yeah, actually. yeah. Um, pause, for a, <laughs> <I mean. laughs> pause for a second. Pause for a second, just to set some context. We're all Canadian. Yeah. I don't know if that's clear. So uh, yeah, 
actually that's part of the whole uh, I guess the vagabond thing we're going with. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm, we're, I'm an international citizen. <laughs> you particularly. <laughs> I have uh, experienced living abroad in a few countries. Um, I'm currently out of my wonderful homeland, uh, possibly for the long run. So that's your uh, home and native land. My yeah. home and native, true patriot, yeah. love, <laughs> land, whatever. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we kind of went through the same situation where uh, Andrea was on the TN and went uh, started to go through the green card process, and then I went there with TD status. Which is uh, the dependent status for yeah, TN. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. the status where basically you are allowed to be a student or you're allowed to live at home, and uh, you can spend money and, and help the economy flourish in that way, but you're not allowed to do anything... Uh, to uh, bolster the economy through productive means. No, that's not true. You're allowed to volunteer. <laughs> you are allowed to volunteer. You, you can volunteer, but that, uh, in theory, is uh, dumb. <laughs> in theory. In my theory. Uh, yeah, but, like, you know, you can't, uh, you can't babysit or uh, wash dishes or, or something like that uh, through legal means. Um, you cannot be employed. Yeah. Ultimately, yes. Yeah. People can't trade you things for your work. Uh. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because you can, since you can volunteer, I mean, some, sometimes you volunteer and you get a t shirt. Yeah, or like free lunch. <laughs> Maybe that's illegal. I don't know. We haven't touched any of that. Yeah. I'm like terrified to. Yeah, that was the yeah. thing, right? Is that like I was completely paranoid about that. Uh, yep. We we had a kid. Uh, and we decided that we wanted him to be dual citizen because we were in the country and why not open doors for someone? Uh, so especially since we had that goal of making that happen, I didn't want to rock the boat and, and attempt to do anything illegal that could see me getting kicked out of the country and never be allowed back in. But just for that reason. Right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, you know, what... Yeah, I think it's a worthwhile point mentioning too. Uh, you correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, anyway, you didn't. You never moved to the United States with any sort of long-term uh, intention to stay here forever. It was kind of my my dig. I don't even know. The we visa, don't. Yeah. We don't have long-term plans. Period. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's relevant because um, it, you did have a short-term plan to leave. Is that correct? No. We, we we honestly just didn't have a plan at all. Okay. Um, I mean, so I mean that was part of the way we, the reason we went our separate ways after Australia to begin with is when my contract was finishing up there, I'm kind of paranoid about employment and whatnot, and so I started looking for jobs months in advance because I work I worked in film, and that's just the nature of the industry for the most part is everyone is a contract employee you work for the project and then that that's over everyone disperses goes on to another project at another company so when I, I knew that my contract was ending in like September or something in in May I started looking for work and I found work in Vancouver and so uh, through a friend of a friend, Andrea became aware of an opportunity in San Francisco, and she says, well, I may as well apply. The worst that happens is I don't get the job. Yeah, um, right. You always just do that. And and I think we were applying for stuff at the same time, and she just never heard back. And so I heard back from my company. I'm like, okay, 
let's do it. And you were both in Vancouver initially, I think, right? No, uh, sort of. Uh, so yeah, so this was still, I'm talking while we were in Australia that this okay. happened. But were you applying to the same place? Like We were play, applying, uh, I applied in London and LA and oh, wow. Vancouver. We, we cast a wide net. But I mean, it, I guess my question, you, you went into this uh, ready to kind of go different ways if necessary from get-go? Because that's a fascinating part of your story. Because uh, it, it, yeah. it wasn't our plan. We were very different. No, the the plan was we would go to the same place together. Right. And so, but we both just applied to places, and we we just figured we'd wait and see what happened. And so I heard back first, and she hadn't heard back at all. Right. And so then I accepted in Vancouver, and then right before we were about to move like within weeks of us moving to Vancouver they finally got back to her and they're like yeah we'd love to find out more let's interview you whatnot and she went through that and that so I was contract I had accepted a four-month contract in Vancouver and she ended up getting a permanent position in San Francisco so that's what made it make sense for us to go the separate ways is that I could go to Vancouver, live out that contract, get some money. Uh, all of our belongings at that point were in Toronto, so we had like a moving bonus. I shipped stuff to Vancouver, and then I could start paring down on stuff and and actually sorting through that stuff that we didn't have time before we went to Australia. So I went there under the impression that I'd be there for four months, and then I would go to San Francisco and join her for her long-term job. Right. And we had no further plan after that. Okay. Um, so she started the the application for green card. The my contract uh, ended up getting extended, and it was only for a few extra months. So I figured, okay, why not? Like it's very easy to just take an extension when it's only for a couple months, right? Yeah. And that ended up being a year and a half that we were apart. <laughs> Wow, because <laughs> that could be another podcast yeah, yeah, episode. I'm oh, sure. it, yeah, <laughs> it, it could, uh, and it's just easy for time to pass without you realizing what's happening. Well, when you're busy, I mean, I know you had a lot yeah. going on at the time. Like she I, was probably busy with her yeah. uh, job as well. I assume, yeah, yeah. Like I was working sixty-hour weeks or m- more. Like I, I worked. Yeah, I guess it was more than 60-hour weeks because I, I worked seven-day weeks for four months straight. And it's just like, yeah, you've got no concept of time passing. It's just you're getting your stuff done. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we eventually... Uh, circumstances allowed us to give that up, and I, and I went to San Francisco. She was on the green card application and I was on TD status so so you literally just go up to the border and yeah well, I, I'm curious because I know you entered without her yeah um, and I think if you enter together it's like it's pretty smooth sailing but without her I think it's like you have to get the lawyers involved or something was there anything to no. do no I just I had to get a copy of all her stuff like I had to so get... what's her stuff like her application documents uh, her I don't even remember I the exact documentation I needed, but I I know I needed like a copy of her pay, a copy of our marriage certificate, a copy of her visa or whatever, like a photocopy of all that, just so that I could prove that she has permission to be there and I'm married to her. And did they go through all that, or did they like yeah on stuff yeah? I, so I drove up to the border, and and so uh, when you drive through the border, like I did two days ago. 
uh, you drive from Vancouver down uh, to America, and uh, there's it, it's the Peace Arch crossing. There's just like a it's like a toll booth basically. You drive through, you show them the documents, and they wave you on. But if you're not just visiting, if you actually need to do secondary stuff, mm. they flag you to to drive into the parking lot, and then you have to go in the building. And so you drove in. Yeah, I rented a car uh, because I took all our belongings with us. Okay. So, which was funny because while she was living there, uh, I ended up visiting a few times. And so what I would do is every time I would visit her, I would take a suitcase full of our belongings. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So, so I took a suitcase of our belongings every time I visited. And then uh, when I moved, I rented a car and that whole car was just, it was like tetris <laughs> with all of our belongings uh, and then whatever like there were a, a few belongings that at the end I just couldn't fit in the car I was like well I guess this is going in this See, dumpster uh, yeah <laughs> so you would have been flagged even if you were just visiting I'm sure <laughs> with the car load like that yeah pro- yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously I, w- I was intending on moving and it was funny because the the uh, border guard one of the questions he asked when I was applying for my dependency status is he's looked at my stuff and he's like, uh, are you going to be working when you're here? And I was like, nope. And I was like, what are you going to be doing? And I was like, playing video games. <laughs> Ballsy, man. I, I, I'm like so petrified by these border guards. I'm always like, uh, 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 I'd probably give this detailed like situational answer or something. Or did he just chuckle and wave you on or roll his eyes? Or what? The security guards never laugh, but he just, he, he just like looked at me and he was like, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, yeah, and so that was that. And like I got my little uh, piece of paper in my passport and I, I drove the rest of the way. And so I, I found it, I didn't love being in America. Uh, and a lot of that was situational, I think. It's totally situational. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've I've visited America before. It's a great place to visit. Um, but I'm a bit of a workaholic, I guess. Uh, at the time, like we were trying to still do our indie, indie game stuff. Yeah. Which I guess is a whole other podcast that's as a, well. That's a few other podcasts. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, I had a lot of stuff that I wanted to do and. If you go, if an if an American couple comes to Canada, the permits that are granted allow the spouse to work. Uh, when you go to Australia, the permits that are granted allow the spouse to work. Uh, I believe the same is true for the UK as well, uh, and many other countries. And when you come here, here being uh, the United States, to yeah, yeah. When, you, when you come to the US, specifically on that TN status uh, and at the time the h1b status as well the spouse is not allowed to work yeah and it's it's very hard for someone like me who i guess particularly at that time i largely identified myself by my career interesting and and it's hard to all of a sudden be told you're not allowed to work yeah i guess it's worth noting, like, of course, you could go and find your own employment and then get your own TN visa or something. And I think, yeah. Yeah, and you tried, am I right? I, I don't know the legalities of that, actually. Like, I don't know if you're allowed to job hunt from within the States. 
I also don't know. I was under the impression you were allowed. I tend to be super conservative. Maybe you are too. Yeah. Kind of just careful, right? So I would probably also... Yeah. I, I don't know the legalities of that. Um, I didn't put much effort into it, but legitimately I did send a couple of emails out. Or actually, they weren't even necessarily emails. It's just you go onto the website and, and fill out the form with your resume and whatnot. The problem that I had is that because my address was the U.S., I don't know if I was passed on to different HR people than would normally deal with international applications or what, but like they all... No one had any idea? No one had any idea how to deal with me. They all just thought I could start the next day and didn't need yeah. any paperwork or they didn't know how to deal with the paperwork and stuff. And so... And that would suck too when it's a smaller company. Like I'm sure like say Microsoft yeah. or Google or something, they'd they recognize what to yeah. do at some point in the process. But not every company has liar, lawyers specific. Yeah. Army of lawyers. <laughs> what, what a Freudian slip that was, liars. Uh, uh -huh. But, um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, not every company hires uh, immigration lawyers specifically to help people out with that sort of stuff. So it, it was a frustrating thing where I was being offered roles in Canada and in the UK and in India and I think Australia and Japan as well but right. I just couldn't find anything in San Francisco which is wild when you think about it yeah that is wild yeah um how long were you in San Francisco total 2013 until 2015 so was that like a full two years year and a half-ish kind of two years and a couple months and that was me like like I said Andrew was there a little bit longer before me right before you'd gone right? a year and a quarter or something before me cool cool um, so yeah it's it's weird because I mean culturally our countries are so similar right yep like there's there's some minor things like we have Trudeau you guys might have Trump um, <laughs> you know, minor things. Americans say sorry. I just can't get over yeah, that one. Sorry but. versus sorry. <laughs> Borrow, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's weird because culturally we're quite similar. And so living in the city, you know, as a Canadian growing up, all we hear is about American gun violence and, and gangs and stuff. And, and, I was probably way more scared of coming here than does I should have been. Uh, For the record, I'm identical. I'd yeah, say, yeah. Uh, that's that's just how we all think, is it? Yeah, every, it uh, is. And the, you know, everyone's got preconceptions and, and prejudices, and then you meet reality, and like, oh, I was done. Yep. It's the unless, same. unless you meet reality and you just cover your ears and sing and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, well, um, shall I tell my little yeah, yeah. side of the story? Uh, well, let me kind of take what you just said as a segue here. Um, uh, when I was very little, so my mom is from Ontario, and uh, we're from Nova Scotia, which is really the sticks. It's very far from any border with the States, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but anyway. It's, uh, it's not too far from Maine, but. Yeah, is Maine the States? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we, uh, when we, uh, every summer vacation, I'd go to uh, Ontario and live out my days there for a few months um, when I was growing up. 
And my parents like to go shopping in New York State. Or my mom, I should say. My mom and my grandmother. So whenever we crossed the border, my mom would always say to me, like, you're in America now. You know, hold my hand. Don't go into my sight. It's so dangerous. Oh, my God. And I was like that in Prince Edward Island. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I don't think my mother was like, she wasn't anti-American or you know, anything silly like that. And I don't even think it was like, like she really thought that. It was more like we're in a different country. Don't go yeah. to my sight. But my youthful self interpreted it that way. Like, this is this war zone now that you've crossed the border. Everyone has a gun you know, yeah. be on high alert at all times. So it really grew into this phobia. Like, no joke. Like, I had this USA phobia growing up. Really, like, being in the States, I would, like, literally be nervous the whole time. Yeah. And, I mean, as an adult, of course, I'm a very logical, rational person. You know, statistically, there's more gun violence. Statistically, there's more of this, there's more that. Statistically, there's more guns. Statistically, there's a <laughs> lot more guns, yes. Um, but, I mean, it's not... A war zone it's not that crazy and yet that phobia that was built into me in my youth kind of persisted yeah um, and then add that to a few prior bad experiences at borders and just I don't know maybe a few prior bad experiences with people who happen to be from the States and I was very apprehensive about taking a job in the States uh, at first I mean yeah. kind of I mean I was excited and like a lot of I'm I'm always happy to move to a new country and check out a new place but I was very, I guess, I intended from the start to be like super cautious and like jet as soon as I figured things weren't working out. You know what I mean? Like uh, I kind of took that attitude like it just wouldn't work out from the start, I guess. I don't mm. know. So that was my feeling for that. Anyway, back to my story. I was working in um, Vancouver, Canada. Uh, actually, we lived about a five minute walk from each other at the time. And I was not super happy with my job situation. My wife and I were kind of um, starting to actively look at other places to live. We had just taken a little train trip across Canada to evaluate a few other cities even. We looked at uh, Ottawa, Montreal, more uh, eastern Canadian cities. And then uh, my uh, current company approached me and uh, they were in the Seattle area. Uh, mm. I was excited about the opportunity, so I took the interview. It worked out. I got the job. Everything was great. The peculiar part about my story, I guess, a lot simpler than yours, <laughs> but uh, I mean, we did move down here, my wife and I, but my wife is not a Canadian citizen. So that gets weird when you go down to the United States on TN status, because if you're both Canadian citizens, you and your, your yeah. uh, spouse, um, the, the working spouse becomes a TN, and the the dependent spouse becomes TD and those are both statuses so it's a TN status and a TD status yeah. but those statuses are only available to Canadian citizens and so Mexicans and Mexicans yes correct it, well it's I think it's TN1 and TN2 or something they're designated I'm slightly sure. differently yeah anyway whatever uh, but uh, my wife is not eligible for TN status but she's eligible for an actual TN visa and then to get a visa you can't just go up to the border and get the visa stamped in your passport. You need to apply for it. And to apply for her TD visa, I needed to be in the United States working on a TN status. So we, uh, we moved out of our place in Vancouver. We had all our things shipped down and she had no place to be. She uh, uh, actually ended up going to my parents' house for a few months, not a few months, or for a few weeks while we worked all this out. So I came to the United States, started working, and I forget... There was like quite a holdup because I think they needed a, a pay stub or something. Like they needed all these things, a very specific list to apply. And then of course you had to apply in person and you have to submit for an appointment online and then only certain consulates in Canada will do it. 
And that the, must be easy for Nova Scotia. Well, the weird thing was, I remember um, certain places had these huge wait lists, and Vancouver was like, it was like, don't go to Vancouver. Yeah. This enormous wait list. If you make an appointment, you'll be there like two months, and all these things. And I talked to the lawyer, my um, company's lawyer, and he said, I, I mentioned that um, my wife is going to go and stay with her parents, and he said, well, oh, Nova Scotia, that's, I mean, they they have the shortest wait times. It's going to be great. So my wife flew to Nova Scotia and went and made an appointment. We actually, you can check the wait times and it was listed as like four days or something in Nova Scotia. Great. She goes and makes an appointment. They say, we no longer do that here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, it was brutal. Nice. Yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. But um, what ended up ultimately happening was <laughs> she, she um, did manage to get an appointment in Vancouver. We waited for the appointment time. She flew to Vancouver and stayed with a friend and went to the appointment, got the visa right away and came down. So right. it worked out magically. She just kind of went to Nova Scotia for a month yeah. or so, which is wild. But the good thing was my company paid for all the flights. Yeah. So thank you guys. That was <laughs> nice of you. Wife gets a little Nova Scotia trip. What's, what's interesting <laughs> about the lawyer saying uh, that it's difficult in Vancouver is the, the immigration lawyer was basically telling us the same thing when we were okay. going through the process. They right. were saying specifically... And, and you can find uh, anecdotes about this online as well. It's like if you want to go through the peace arch to come into the U.S., that's right. like the place you're most likely to be rejected. <laughs> we both flew in because I've, I heard so many bad things with driving in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that I think is bananas about this whole process is that like when you're going for the TD and TN, right. it's like up to the discretion of the border guard. It's wild. I know. Like, I know. It's wild. Like it's they so they wild. know nothing about what you're doing. Like And yet they, they have they're allowed to quiz you on your like what this job you're taking is and if they decide you don't seem like you're legitimately taking that job, they have the discretion to reject you. If they don't like the cut of your jib, yeah, they can reject <laughs> you. And I mean, you could be sleep deprived, they could be sleep deprived. Like there's it's just it could be a completely emotional based reason. Yeah. And it's so weird and and so that's the thing is like apparently that peace arch is the number one most place that people are denied their visas. I wonder if it works that way. Their the other statuses, way. sorry. Yeah, their statuses. Okay. Uh, um, I don't know. Like United, like uh, U.S. citizens going to Canada, are know. they faced with the same silliness? I don't know. And but, the result of this too, um, which we both face this reality, is once you are in the country working, yeah, you're you're kind of scared to leave and come back. Yeah. Because on reentry, they again they do the same the, process. Yeah, yeah, it's not. I mean, your status is renewed each time. Where a visa. You have the visa. You you have this visa yeah. for say three years. The status is only a status while yeah. you're here, and it has to be renewed when you leave. Yeah, like I've still got my. So, uh, I mean, just to quickly finish up on that point. Um, so what we were told is not even flying from Vancouver was a safe bet. Wow. What they wanted us to do was fly from Victoria. So when but I you didn't, am I correct? I, mean, I, you, you I, drove, yeah, I yeah. drove because as a TD, they, they can't really find a reason to turn down the TD once the TN has been... Right. Because you're, you're not allowed to do anything except to be a, a stay-at-home yeah. spouse. You're not a threat to the um, job security of so citizens at, or whatever. So at the time, I don't know if this is still true, but at the time, Victoria didn't have the same customs stuff that Vancouver has. So like 
so we would fly out of Victoria, and instead of going through customs in Victoria, ah, you it. land in San Francisco, land of the hippies, and <laughs> do it there. And they do it there, and they're just like much more likely to, to accept people, right? Well, can you imagine how many Canadians fly there and validate visas in San Francisco every year? I don't know. Well, I mean, just they're probably very experienced, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. But so so that was that was a weird thing for us. Um, but yeah, it's it's totally weird when, like you said uh, a moment ago about how you're kind of afraid to leave the country because it's like, when we were living in Australia, uh, you get four weeks of vacation a year. Like that's just the standard thing that everyone in Australia gets. Right. As opposed to the Canadian thing where they give you two weeks and then your business will close down at Christmas time. So. Yep, lived it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we actually got vacation in Australia and we did what all the locals do. We flew to Bali and we had no problem doing that at all because we had a, a, a visa. And like you said, we, you can leave the country and do whatever. When we yep. were When we were in the U.S., we were like what happens if we leave and we're rejected so when we went on vacation we went to hawaii because it was like you know that's where we took our honeymoon yeah for the same reason i mean we were we were we were married before we came but we had just never taken a honeymoon yeah to clarify first world problems eh? can you believe we had to go to hawaii (laughs) (laughs) for our honeymoon man (laughs) yep no but it's 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 a really weird thing that status where it's you have no idea how safe you are or unsafe you are to, to lose that. Uh, yep. Uh, and it's it's definitely, like I said, frustrating for someone like me to, to live in an American city and just... I played a lot of video games for two years because I felt I, like I wasn't allowed to work on a personal project, which it, I was probably... Uh, overly paranoid by working on a personal project but the, right. but because as long as you're doing stuff for personal growth only that's fine but the thing is is that as soon as you try selling something which was my ultimate ambition it's like the irs wants their hands on it and and it's it's not kosher at all not just that yeah i mean they they i think they kick you out of the country for 10 years if they yeah. find that you were quote-unquote working yeah yeah um, I actually, I always wonder what would happen if you like built something while living in the, the United States and then you moved somewhere else back to Canada, for example, and then sold it. I always find it weird because I'm so, like I said, for lack of a better word, paranoid about that. Um, and yet I've gone to like indie meetup stuff yeah. where like... The, no so one else is paranoid. And just, no one else is paranoid yeah. at all. And, and quite the contrary, they like give... Uh, uh, motivational talks about how open the indie community is around the world and you should really just take your laptop and travel to other countries and work on your stuff abroad and it's like yep have you looked into this (laughs) legally like yeah i have no idea how that works too because like what about a normal company they send you to like on a business trip so you go to somewhere for two weeks and you're like working technically your company's paying you I know it's. Okay. I guess it all comes down to like, are you going to get caught? It's you know. Ultimately, I think yeah, for like, a lot, a great many people. Yeah. Like the the odds are extremely low that anyone that matters is ever going to find out and do anything about it. But it's it. I don't know. Uh, I err on the side of safety, and 
it's probably for the best. We're family men now, man. Yeah. Um, I think I told you actually. I'm not sure, but I have a friend. It's a friend of a friend, and they were a DJ, mm. and they were just doing like touring or whatever. I don't, I don't really know, but they were doing shows here and there. And so he did a show in the United States, and he got paid for it. And whoops, yeah. yeah, the end. So what happened was I don't know the exact details, like if the border guard caught him or what happened or whatever. But that happens with big bands too. Like I imagine, I don't know how it works. They must get some weird. They must be required to get some crazy visa. Yeah, you you have to get like a performer's visa Probably. to do that. Like there's. There's been big metal bands that have gone to Toronto and like the singer forgot to get his visa. And <laughs> so. Wild. Well, this guy, anyway, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess he didn't get his visa or whatever, but he got, uh, he's not allowed to come into the United States for 10 years. Yeah. It's not even like he's not allowed to get a visa or something. He's not allowed in the country. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Part of me says, you know, I kind of, I understand the, the, you know, they're not just lax or forgiving. Oh, it was just once. Get out of here. Mm. But man, that's 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 harsh. I mean, if you were this young DJ trying to build a career for yourself, for yourself, and you're from Canada, um, which is realistically between the between uh, Canada and the U.S. about a ninth of the whole market or whatever. Um, if you were limited to that market only, that's brutal, right? And now that's his reality for ten years because of that mistake. Mm. So I I assume his career is. If not over, then quite uh, restricted. Anyway, I, w- I wish I could remember the specifics of it. It's it's a tangent anyway. But uh, I remember reading something recently about a new tax that's being applied that Canadians, I believe, if they want to perform in the U.S., they end up having to pay some sort of a tax for that. And it's it's performance tax or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know the specifics. I'll, t- I'll try to look it up later or something. But uh, yeah, so I mean, the, despite the legalities of it, like uh, it was, it was weird because it's like San Francisco's uh, not a, the most affordable place on earth. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so we were living in the Tenderloin, uh, which yeah. is it was affordable, uh, but right. it, it's. It's weird to be someone who's like legally not allowed to find a job, and you go outside and you see people smoking crack on the street and uh, people getting arrested, and it's like, yep, um, and that's so so not <laughs> so I I tend I wasn't I wasn't movies. at my happiest state when I was living there, and but I can right. I can completely identify that. Uh, like I had friends visit a couple times and, and we would go see some of the sites and it's it is a great city there's lots to see as a tourist I would 100% recommend it but it's I don't think I'm interested in getting involved in the in the Silicon Valley world and, and going back there right um, your stories as well as uh, a lot of stories from other people at my same company who have done the Silicon Valley thing and then ran away from it Um, certainly yeah kind of drive me from it as well I mean uh, just the the costs associated and so forth are are quite wild Um, I guess one more thing I wanted to touch on just what it's like living in the States and uh, uh, this what we were talking about earlier the fear of leaving Um, my company has they issue travel advisories 
and they always say, if you're traveling, here's what you need to be careful of. And they have this big list of stuff you're supposed to bring when you leave mm. to show the border guard when you come back. And it's like quite the list, honestly. Like I have to bring my badge. I have to bring multiple paychecks. I have to bring a copy of all my uh, paperwork. Um, if my wife leaves alone, I have to, she has to bring with her like an employment verification letter. Yeah. And then they give you like specific lines to say. And, you know, it's cool they're doing all this for me, but it certainly adds to the paranoia that you're going to get rejected on every time. And I think people our age, too, I mean, people are often buying houses, starting families, you know, if your kids are going to school, it's not, it's not really an option to be stuck out of the country for, like, some number of weeks or something while these problems are worked out, right? Or, like, the money thing, too. Like, I've never been rejected at the border, but if you were rejected and you were flying in from somewhere... I don't even know what you'd do. Yeah, I have no idea what, how that works. I, I assume they send you back to where you flew out of. Or they, they yeah. and the the ticket cost is on you, of course. Right? That'd be bananas. Like if you're in like the situation I was in, where I had a car full of all my belongings and no apartment. There's nowhere to, to go, go back to. to. Yeah, my family's on the east coast. <laughs> it's, like... it's wild, right? It's totally wild. <laughs> yeah. And another interesting thing is being on a TN um, status. Uh, it's kind of infamous in its different. Uh, in its difference from a H-1B in that you're not allowed to have immigrant intent. Yeah. Which, ultimately, that means you're not allowed to make a... You're not allowed to um, make an application for a green card and... Which is so weird because you can still do it. Well, I don't... As far as I understand, your company is allowed to sponsor you for one. And yeah. then that's not you declaring intent. Maybe that's... That's kind of my understanding. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I could just go and say, guys, I'm applying for a green card. So, like... Um, if you're not a Canadian citizen, oh, there's a few countries that aren't allowed to do it, but um, yeah. for the most part, you can uh, apply for the green card lottery. lottery yeah. yeah, and I think that's immigrant intent as well. I don't, I don't really know. Like, it's really strange. But uh, we need to get rid of borders. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild. Um, I I really want like some sort of a UN visa or something that I can just live anywhere I want and do anything I want. And 2016, yeah, man, yeah, nowhere yeah. near it. I don't know. I don't see that happening. Not anytime soon. <laughs> Um, we could talk about this for hours uh, so I, we should get this wrapped up before we go though uh, games this week or what have you played uh, so I have been focused solely on cave story uh, I, I say solely like I poured tons of time into it maybe a couple hours here and there uh, I was playing it on hard mode um, and hard mode is interesting in that in my opinion it's a kind of a poor implementation of hard mode but instead of increasing the challenges of the game or, or you know somehow making the puzzles more interesting all they do is take out all the power-ups which ultimately in my opinion it sure it makes the game harder but a lot of like the little puzzles you solve or a lot of the the uh, I guess side quests result in you getting a power-up so playing it in hard mode the, the power-ups are still there <laughs> or sorry the, the, the puzzles and the side quests are still there there's just nothing waiting for you at the end of the yeah. tunnel it's like pointless so you kind of just walk through the game and skip all that and the experience is not as fun like i guess yeah. you're supposed to play hard mode if you've already beaten the game i don't know that seems like what makes sense to me is like if you've already solved the puzzles maybe it's not this would be what you do now because it's not fun anymore yeah yeah i see that it actually says like the disclaimer is only play this if you played the normal game and i saw that and i just thought you know of course they're going to say that uh, but anyway i i played a bit and i thought eh, i kind of want to enjoy the game and just you know, experience all yeah. of it. So I'm going to restart it on normal mode. Right. So that's that's where I'm at. Right. How about you? Uh, after 
almost two months of stuff. I finally finished playing Mass Effect 2. Nice. Um, uh, disclaimer, I work for the company that makes them, so uh, my opinion is that of mine and not of my employer, but um, I enjoyed the game. Uh, I mean, I played the first one before I was hired, so that was part of the reason for me attempting to get to that company. Was it really? So yeah. obviously you enjoyed the first one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the first one. Uh, second one is is better. Um, uh, I've got the third one on my plate at some point. I'm not going to start that immediately, but uh, I know there was tons of complaints about the ending at the time. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess they, they... I don't think it's possible for us to spoil it since it's been spoiled <laughs> for us. Yeah. I haven't even played the first game and I, yeah. I'm aware of all the hula. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I finally finished the second one. I, I enjoyed it. I, I recommend it. And uh, I'm still continuing during my uh, commute to try to play Fire Emblem Birthright. And uh, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. I'm, I'm also kind of on the side playing the first uh, Demon's Quest game. Um, I recently kind of rearranged my game setup at home. So uh, it, was, it wasn't all set up to be playable for a while, but I'll probably get back into that for... Uh, uh, the next week or so within the next week or so there, there was a, a sale on the PlayStation Network this week so I, I bought Catherine nice which <laughs> I don't know what year it'll be before I, I was going to say because you need more games right? <laughs> uh, nice nice alright uh, well uh, we should probably wrap this up and uh, there you go cool yeah um, I, I will say one last comment I mean I've actually enjoyed my time in the states, it sounds yeah. like a bunch of griping. Really, it's it's the immigration situation and the border situation, and the laws yeah, and so the forth. Logistics like, of it. Yeah, I come here and the people are great, and I've had a very great experience in my company. It's just like anywhere, right? I mean, yeah. You, yeah, I'm sure other people would ex- have similar experiences, but it is interesting to focus on those those hurdles and those considerations for anyone who, uh, yeah, is considering a similar. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's the thing that's interesting about the international travel is, is or international living, I guess, is uh, the population generally is fantastic yeah. anywhere you go. Yeah. Like, you're going to meet great people to talk to, and, and that's what really makes your day-to-day life matter, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would happily come back if, if, if it made sense to. Um, yeah. Um, it's definitely just a shame that the government in every country <laughs> puts up every wall they can puts up to make you uh, yeah, enjoy yourself and yeah. do this happily. Yes, indeed. Okay, well, until next time. Yep. Take care, everybody. High five. Cheers. <laughs>